we continue with our sermon. Was he going to preach? And I just got in your way? We begin with our sermon series on Jesus' teaching, taking a, a closer look at what he is remembered as saying and, and holding ourselves, uh, as we should, accountable to what he has said and its application in our lives as, as believers in God and followers of Christ Jesus. And so far, we've looked at faith and citizenship. We've, we've looked at judging and judgmentalism, loving your enemies, and the reconciliation of relationships. Today, don't worry, be happy, or perhaps said differently, relaxing and having a general trust in God for life's well-being. Today's passage is from the Sermon on the Mount. What John read to you is... is uh, a key segment of that sermon, a lesson some of us find hard to follow, actually, when it comes down to actually living life. We worry about our past. There are things in the past that seem to crop up at four in the morning and get our attention over which we worry. We worry about our future. There are things that crop up at two in the morning that get us to be worrying about what may be ahead. We worry about our health, about our finances, our relatives. We worry about our projects. I'm making an outdoor shower. Keeps me up at night trying to figure out how exactly to get those pipes to align and not kill the tree in the same time. Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry. Be happy. And it's actually very, very good advice for healthy living. Not to be careless about life, but not to worry about life. There's a lot of literature out there that you may be familiar with about how body, mind, and emotions all affect one another. And noting how attitudes can help heal or harm us the American Medical Association has made the following suggestions for us. You might want to jot these down. Stop looking for the knock in the motor. And I think by that they mean start looking, stop looking for trouble. Uh, this is really from the AMA. Learn to like your work. Develop at least one hobby. Learn to like people. Learn to be satisfied when you can't easily change your situation. Learn to accept adversity. Learn to say the cheerful, helpful, and humorous thing. Learn to face your challenges and your pro uh, problems with confidence. In the book Stress Unstressed by Keith uh, Seidnert, uh, a doctor, we learn that there is good stress and there is bad stress. Good stress readies us for action. It brings our uh, senses to attention 
so that we can respond um, properly to a stimulus. Anxiety going into an important meeting is seen as good stress because that's an important meeting. The honking of a car horn and the stress that that creates uh, is seen as good stress because that might cause you to pay attention and, and save your life or save somebody else's life. Bad stress or, or distress is stress unresolved or unrelieved that leads to immobilizing or debilitating you. Unrelieved stress of a loved one's chronic illness. That can be bad stress. Unrelenting stress of a, of a pressured workplace. Seenert writes, adopting the right attitude can convert a negative stress into a positive one. You country western fans will remember the line, if you want the rainbow, you got to put up with the rain. Those of you who like Sheryl Crow might remember it's not having what you want, it's wanting what you've got. Sainert refers to a Dr. Seeley as an expert on stress and stress treatments. And he refers to him as he gives the secret recipe for handling stresses of life. The first ingredient is to test your own limits and decide if you're a racehorse or if you are a turtle and then structure your life accordingly. Don't expect yourself to perform like a racehorse if you're really a turtle. Find your pace. Find your pace through life. Second ingredient is to choose your life's goals. Test those goals to see if they're really yours and not some goals put upon you by a spouse or your or memory of your parents or grandparents. An over-helpful teacher, perhaps. Key to managing stress is discerning your true path in life. Walking that path, not somebody else's path. And third, and, and perhaps most important ingredient in the recipe is something he calls altruistic egotism. And by that he means looking out for oneself by being necessary to others and earning their goodwill. Altruistic egotism. By helping others, we find we also are helping ourselves. Now, these all are, are good pieces of advice or, or methods to lower stress and anxiety, and you can probably find uh, 30 books right now in Barnes & Noble on a shelf that's dedicated uh, to this purpose um, because it is a major concern. A lot of illnesses are traced back, at least in their eruption or in their lack of resolution, 
to how we manage stress. Stress before we got ill and then the stress of being ill. Now Jesus teaches us something like the good doctor here, but to my mind it's a tad deeper. He says, recognize who you are and whose you are. Recognize that you're a child of God and trust in God and God's providence. Jesus says, having faith is the way through anxiety. Now, as, as we look at this scripture that John shared with us, it's considered the, the longest connected discourse of Jesus that uh, the analytical and uh, very cautious scholars feel is actually Jesus' words. So there's a high level, a high level of um, accountability, a high level of feeling that this is something we can feel comfortable with as thinking, if not exactly how Jesus said it, that Jesus said something very much like this. So we want to treat this with a a high level of confidence, not just because of the wisdom of what it says, but because we think that it is Jesus' wisdom for us. And remember that he is addressing people who are are preoccupied with day-to-day existence. Remember who he's talking to. He's he's talking to people who are struggling on a day-to-day basis to get by. Agrarian life is, is very difficult and it's a subsistence, it's a subsistence kind of life. And it's happening in the context of, of Roman oppression. They are occupying the area, they are exerting their rules. Your life is as important as it might be useful to them but no more important than that. It's these folks that he's, he's talking to, talking to people who are under some great unrelenting stress just to get by day by day. And these folk have a very, very hard time of changing at all their circumstances or maybe no opportunity at all of changing their circumstances. They do have the opportunity of changing their approach to their circumstances. Yet I would say Jesus' words apply to all of us. I I have lived my the experiences of my life, I have found that people in a variety of circumstances in a variety of nations share some similar anxiety about life, whether they are um, a market owner 
in the Middle East or, or they're a, a farmer in Poland or whether they are um, a tech worker in the States. People have some similar basic anxieties of managing life, that we don't have to be right at the brink of subsistence and oppression like the folk Jesus was talking to for us to have a benefit from listening to what Jesus is teaching. These are words for us as well. Jesus believed that God provides for basic human needs. And he uses nature to illustrate this point. For the, the need for food, he brings the birds to mind. He says, look at the birds. And for our needs of clothing, he says, ah, look at the flowers, look at the lilies. God has provided for them, so don't fret, don't fret. The Lord will provide for you as well because you are a beloved child of God. You are perhaps even dearer to God's heart than the lilies and the birds. Jesus challenges the common attitude of life, though the point is made by exaggerating illustrations. Humans are not fed like birds. Humans are not clothed like lilies. Okay, we, we get it's an exaggeration, right? Yet God loves and provides for us even more than the birds and the flowers. We may not notice this happening like birds and flowers. One, because we're not living off the land and eating the nuts off the tree and scurrying around like our primordial beatings in this animal creation. We've evolved into something a little more sophisticated, haven't we? Where some of us plant, some others of us harvest, and some others of us transport that food so that the rest of us can consume it. It's a multi-stepped thing here. We just don't go out and pull it off the tree or hunt it down anymore. Some of us dye clothing. Some of us weave clothing. Some of us sew the clothing. Some of us provide the clothing so the rest of us can consume the clothing. It's a little more complicated of a multi-step process. Some of us provide for our protection. Some of us for the security of our neighborhoods and communities. Some provide for medical care and our health needs. Some of us go to those providers. Some facilitate spiritual encounters and growth. When we share our gifts and our graces, we all can thrive. God has provided all the tools and all the resources for us all to live well. We just need to nurture them, and we need to learn how to share them.
We're in it together, you and I, all of us. We're all in the same boat. It's whether we at one end of the boat looking towards the other end where the leaking is currently happening want to say, well, it's not happening in our end of the boat. Let's not worry about it or do anything for it. Or whether we want to say, if we don't help fix the hole at that end of the boat, we're all going down. Shall we sink or shall we swim? If we set the pattern in our sophisticated society of being our brother's keeper, we will find our brother's help to keep us. Caring for our sisters, our sisters will help to keep us. It's a mindset of community, of grace and love, of family that's rooted in God's adequate providence for the human creature. Jesus makes this a faith issue. The Gentiles, people who worry, you know, don't be like them. As a person of faith, you can live without anxiety because God knows your needs. Trust in God's providence. Don't worry. God will make a provision for you. How did that sound like under Roman oppression and living day to day gathering your food? Any easier to follow than for us nowadays? as we look at the complicatedness of human life. Yet Jesus said that and meant that, that if we adopt a solid faith orientation in life, we will manage the challenges of life in a healthier way towards a greater well-being of ourselves. Strive first for the kingdom of God, he says. Strive first for that, for the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. And all of these other things will be given to you. You will discover all of these other things along the way as well. As we make God's kingdom our first priority, not ourselves, our first priority, we will find provisions for ourselves. In all the moments of our lives, anxious or pleasant ones, our first turn should be to God. So years ago, there was a newspaper report about a desperate prisoner in Australia, and uh, he was tired of being in prison, and he figured out a successful way to escape from the county jail, we're told in this newspaper report, and so as the moment 
occasioned itself for him. He scurried under a pickup truck, a delivery truck to the, the county prison. He scurried underneath of it and he grabbed on to the underbelly of the, of the truck, I guess wedging his feet in around the muffler or something and holding on to something else. He lifted himself up and the truck left. And off he was on his way to freedom. 20 minutes later, the truck started to to slow down, and when it had come to a complete stop, the uh, exhausted prisoner let go of his grip and fell to the ground and rolled out to his freedom, only to discover he was inside the walls of the state prison. <laughs> uh, the delivery truck had gone from one to the other. I tell this story just because it's silly and, and, and stupid, isn't it? But you get the point that you can, you can make a great effort and move from one imprisonment to another imprisonment if you are not wise about the effort you are making. We can be imprisoned by our fears, imprisoned by our anxieties. We can be imprisoned by uh, feelings of guilt and shame, as, as well as by uh, economic situation or, or as people in the Ukraine are discovering, by political situations. We're discovering that perhaps also in our country. There are many forces that are outside our control that are over us and upon us over which we can be fearful, anxious, and perhaps even feel guilty or shameful about. And we seek desperately a way to escape from that. And we try one escape route after another, only to discover that we're just moving from one, one kind of prison to another one, from one set of anxiety to another set of anxiety. So the effort has to be placed in a different way, friends, doesn't it? Have to formulate the situation a little differently for yourself. And Jesus' suggestion to us that stood the time of some 2,000 years is to turn to God in these moments of anxiety and to find a way to turn that anxiety over to God and to learn how to be centered on God's presence and peace and be at peace. To embrace God's nurturing presence in your life to be at peace to find a way, allow yourself to be surrounded by that accepting and nurturing grace of God. Don't worry. Be happy. Live in the grace of God. Amen.